The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to, to the, the Legendarium. Okay. <laughs> Are you serious? Neither of you noticed this? I, I, have, lo- I, I like that section. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. <sighs> I I view it as, like it's part of Vi's growth, and at that point, has, has she reigned Kylar? At that point, I don't care. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the Legendary Podcast, episode number two hundred and twenty. I think this is Night Angel number two, Shadows Edge. Our second episode, we just come off of uh, recording that first episode, and so we're super riled up. Not only that, but we had an off-mic political discussion, <laughs> and that always goes super well. Craig's big into the Green New Deal. Uh, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, boy, that's, that is going to date this podcast. <laughs> or, of course, nobody's going to remember that in two years, and so whatever. Uh, Ryan with the ti- the inappropriately timely jokes. Uh, oh yeah, speaking of which, that's him <laughs> over there. He once asked me to refer to him as the God King, so I stabbed him repeatedly. It's Ryan Bruckman. You're a disappointment as a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and every time she comes around the studio, I wish for my own Kakari cloak of invisibility. It's Stephanie Bruckman. Hi. Yeah, I have nothing. Okay. I, it's too late. I'm. It's, it's we're already an hour an hour <laughs> plus into recording tonight. Don't make me think of witty comments. That's the thing. So back. yeah, if you appreciate the the banter and the good humor on this podcast, well, don't expect any of that because it's getting pretty late and we're all tired. Um, let's should we just call it? Should we just go home? It's good. We're done. The book. Everyone want to give their final thoughts on whether or not you'd recommend the second book in a series. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, housekeeping, patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show and thelegendarium.reddit.com to join the conversation. Hit up thelegendariumpodcast.com and uh, go to the subscribe tab on our website to join the newsletter there, the weekly newsletter that we're putting out. Uh, that's it. Oh, wait, what? This will come out in early to mid-April, and so I should also remind people that Ryan and I are going to be at JordanCon this year. Speaking of timely things that will date the podcast, <laughs> uh, we will be at JordanCon 2019, so uh, if you happen to be there, if you are in the Atlanta area, or if you're going to jo- JordanCon yourself, let us know. We would love to see you there. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we good? Yep. Okay. Um, guess who we're going to see it at JordanCon? Brent Weeks. Brent Weeks. Let's talk about a Brent Weeks book. Um, Brent, if you're listening, stop. Because <laughs> I'm not sure that all of Why this Why he is... would listen to the fourth episode <laughs> in the middle of... Unless he's already gone through the first three, in which case we're probably <laughs> Yeah, safe. yeah, we're, we're already on the shit list. So, um, all right. So, okay, let's talk about Night Angel number two. We've already synopsimified the whole book really, really well. <laughs> really well. Really well. It was an excellent point by point synopsis I, of that book. It's top, a kindergarten top finger three, paint. <laughs> top three episode. Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
So this time we're going to actually talk about some of the things that came up. We briefly dove into a few uh, of the plot points and the issues that are brought up, but there's a lot more to go into. So Stephanie, I told you to put a pin in something (laughs) and now it's time to pull it out and uh, stick it somewhere else. (laughs) So what you mentioned the way Brent Weeks writes women. Yeah. And by women, I mean girls because they're all underage. I don't think Mama K is underage. Okay, that's true. No. I was just At the end of book one, um, there's that really tender love scene between Logan and his new bride. Yeah. And it's really, ni- it's really nicely written. It's very, it's, it's, very, uh, it's very sweet in a lot of ways. But I, then I remembered halfway through the scene that she's 15. She's 15. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, never. Yeah, this is a little creepy. Anyway, okay, so... What were you saying before? What do you want to say now about the way that he writes women? So, and it really, it wasn't until I went through the book a second time that I started really getting upset by, especially the wordage he uses to describe women. I don't think that there is a time where there is a woman in a scene that he does not talk about their boobs or their legs or or there's some sexualized version of how these men and it's not even just the men are looking at these other women it's the women are looking at these women because let's face it, they're all prostitutes they're all selling their bodies they're all and i just i was getting mad because i'm sitting here thinking is this really what society is thinking and i don't know i'm trying to remember a lot of like the things that made me so mad i'm not quite as riled up as i was when like this <laughs> the moment happened and i was listening to this book um, and I had to call Ryan. I turned off the book. I was like, I can't listen to it anymore. I can't do it. Because I kept thinking back. Um, I think one of the biggest shocking moments to me in this entire book was when Kylar walks into the God King's private Vi? chamber. Oh, is it Vi? Oh, no, sorry, no. no. It's, oh, yes, I know what you're talking about. It's at the towards the end when Kylar... Is, er, oh, yes, yes, yes. And he finds the... Taxidermied the women. statues of all of these women that have killed themselves or have been killed or something that he has created into his furniture and into his wall art. And I like that. That's just, that's disturbing. Like it, it just, I don't, can't even talk about it. It just made me, uh, so yeah. And, and so does it make you, does it break through the story and make you think less of Brent weeks for writing it? Like you, you sound really upset. What author in his right mind, views things like that that thinks oh i'm gonna write about this because that's gonna like not only a shock point to his readers but he's he's thinking through all of this stuff <laughs> yeah i like I get he's that. had to think through these scenes and the way that he's written these women and the way he's at least i don't i mean i'm not much of a writer so i don't think of like my characters and like how i would write them how i describe them but you're sitting here going, well, all of these women are well endowed with their their breasts because that's all the men seem to see about right. them. Like, and so, like, that's it made it's, me uncomfortable as him as an author that this is all he's thinking about. Right. I I do tend to be a little bit more forgiving when it comes to like <laughs> the idea of oh, uh, you know, what kind of sick, twisted mind comes up with this stuff. Well, you know, it, as an author, you're supposed to be creative and follow your creative impulses and and you know so i'm i'm a little more forgiving of that perhaps but i will admit that i also was 
getting kind of annoyed. It uh, harkened back to the Wheel of Time series, and I, if you haven't read it, don't worry. I'm not going to spoil anything with that, and we'll bring it up again, I think, later in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the Wheel of Time as well, it's like every female character you meet is better looking and better endowed than the last. <laughs> it's a, it's, and you you reference what they do based on where they do it on their body. Right. Their arms are always crossed under their breasts. Exactly, yeah. Like it's, and yeah, it's... Uh, it, it's a whole thing. And so this story has really suffered from that as well, where you have a character like uh, Eline, and she has all the scars. She was formerly Doll Girl, and Roth, um, or Rat at the mm-hmm. time, gave her all these scars because he's sick and twisted and tortured her and all this stuff. And then she grows up um, in a more luxurious lifestyle and and you know becomes a, a a young lady and he couldn't just make her a nice young woman who had to bear these horrible scars but nevertheless led a nice life but no it's like but if you can see a little bit past the scars she's actually quite attractive and like her, her, all through tyler's her view thighs, there's, her there's, thighs are milky and her breasts are magnificent there's and, a moment that he's talking about um that there that she's sleeping or something and he can see through her her nightdress and something i was like i don't really care what her nipples are looking like right now like <laughs> why does he have to like it just felt so degrading that even the most righteous and innocent of women in his story i still know what her nipples look like right why why do i care it's, i don't know maybe maybe you care but i if if it had been an isolated moment i might have been a little more forgiving but between her and Vi and Mama Kay and whoever the new the the pirate the pirate I love the pirate her. lady who was great yeah. I love her character but, but with, win Cal, yes thank you Caldrosa so with all of these it just kind of adds up to a feeling throughout yeah, the book so like I said if it if it was just that one passage and we and we lingered for a sentence or two too long on her nipples I'd be like ah oh, well whatever but it's just it seems like it's over and over and over or even again. if it was just like if it was kept into one character because like Vi. That's very much of her life. That's who she is. That's how what she was raised doing, how she's survived as long as she has. I'd be okay feeling like, okay, sexualizing her and following her story because it's part of her character. But yeah, when it comes into to these other side characters, I was like, that was pointless. That was unnecessary for you to describe her body that way. Why why you felt you needed to waste a paragraph telling me about these <laughs> these women? I don't yeah. I didn't understand why it had to go as far as it did. So and and this is one of those things that I would legitimately be interested to hear people's opinions of on Reddit. And that's mm-hmm. I mean, look, I know you guys get tired sometimes of me doing the housekeeping. That's why I try to keep it short every once in a while, but uh but I plug it because I really do want to hear if you feel like you understand why this is necessary then you know i've been reading the reddit comments on these on specifically these ones that i've been a part of so yeah i'd love to know going okay is this just me and my culture like sheltered little world that i live in that it made me uncomfortable ryan kind of when we were talking about reminded me that that rape culture has become more aware we've become aware more aware of rape culture in the last few years that this book was published before that hit before the that, before that phrase was a thing so i'm i'm looking at it from my standpoint now of what culture is thinking of 
this kind of thing now when obviously he wrote it in a time that maybe now if he rewrote it, he'd, he'd he, rethink some of his decisions right? because of how we are viewing women nowadays and what we're trying to educate and, and change the way that that rape and these things are talked about. And so I don't Speaking know. Speaking of which, lots of rape in this book. Lots, lots, and lots. Yeah. Kind of constant. Invading army deals with that. That's one thing like I, for me, I, I really hesitate to take any sort of apologist or devil's advocate viewpoint on this because it's- Because you don't come off well. <laughs> you really, you can't. No, but I, I was serious when I said I'm, I'm interested to hear alternate points of view. And so I won't hold it against you. That's, that's- what I will, I'm, I'm your wife, so yeah. be careful. <laughs> well, I've already talked to you a little bit about this. Like, yeah. it's, I look at this and not to excuse it or say, oh yeah, it's totally fitting and right because I don't think it is. I do think that it is a bit gratuitous and a little bit too much. But remember- we are still dealing with the lowest, the the worst side of of people in this. Like all these are still people who have come up from the Warrens. This is the people in the hole. Yeah. If Logan, you know, yes, Logan has his moment where he's looking at his fifteen year old bride, and it's kind of like, okay, you know, he's also a virgin, a little bit weird, you know, kind of right. Yeah. You know, but the thing is, most of these characters, like this, is the way that they process the world. This is the way that they deal with that, and. This is not a generalization about all men or whatever, but like the male gaze would tend to look at a physical, the physical aspect of someone first. The fact that they don't go past that very often, at least not in this book yet, is the indictment against it to say like, yeah, Kylar could look at her, you know, in that night gown or whatever and go, ah, yes. Nice nipples. Nice nipples. (laughs) But then again, wow, she's a wonderful person. It doesn't fit (laughs) Kylar's personality to do that right now. But I think like it it makes sense enough based on the characters there that they that they do it that way. But it doesn't need to be out from an author's perspective. It doesn't need to be as often. And I think that's my thing. I'm, I understand why the characters are viewing things that way, but I don't understand why Brett Weeks had to continuously write that way. Like why it was just this continuous bombardment of right, breasts right, right. and breasts and breasts. Well, and I don't care. Like breasts you, aren't new to you me. You don't like breasts the way that we do, okay, Stephanie? So, well, I we're going to get into individual breasts here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the best episode we've ever done. This is just fantastic. Just put the episode title here: Night Angel Two Boobs, B E W B S Boobs. I think back to book one. You're um, very red. Right I know. Now, I know. <laughs> That's your wife. It's okay. I know. Uh, I think back to like book one. There's a scene where they're all up in um, <laughs> each other. <laughs> I'm trying to be adult about this. Uh, Get over my blush. Yeah, that's. Uh, I did not agree to that. It's um, Kylar. It's when Kylar has to. They're. Oh gosh. Basically. Kylar and Logan are up. They're having a nice, the nice dinner or whatever. And two or three times, it's like a pair of breasts walks by is basically the way that it's phrased. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, one time it's Vi. One time it's Tara Grayson. One time it's... Um, he notices Jenny. Jenny, yeah. Mm-hmm. At, the, mm-hmm. at the banquet. Yeah. Like, book one. Each time, like in those instances, in, in certain instances in the book when he does this, he does it because that character's choice is to try and grab attention using their sexuality. Like... It's a choice by that character. Right. Vi does this a lot. Yes. Versus some other times when it's not 
Kylar staring at, at uh, Aline in bed is not her choice of being like, unless she specifically fell asleep in a specific way, <laughs> so the moonlight came through, which was <laughs> not listed. Who sleeps in that position? <laughs> like, so that's that's my very soft bunt of a defense of Brent Weeks in writing this style. Like, it fits characterization. You just ruined the word bunt for me, by the way. <laughs> Anyway, that's there we go. And then people on Reddit can either tear me down or Oh, do we're we're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> we are screwed. Uh trying to give a, a well-rounded argument. <laughs> yeah. It, of all the episodes that I might consider going out and sharing on other subreddits, like hey Brent Weeks subreddits, like here's our episode. This isn't going to be one of them. <laughs> Just ain't going to happen. This one will go on our boobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm starting to really understand why Brett Weeks has started to write so many boob stories now. Because as a woman, I'm not finding much of this as funny as the two of you obviously I, are. Frankly, it's just the word. <laughs> it's always been a funny word. We need to uh, trim about oh, 20, 20 seconds of just us giggling like 12-year-olds. Yeah, that ain't getting trimmed. Sorry. Oh. Um, anyway. <laughs> I it, One of my eternal regrets, by the way, is back way back in our mistborn series of podcasts we trimmed like a full minute and a half of us dying on the floor oh, laughing yeah. <laughs> i wish we'd kept that i remember that uh anyway uh okay do we uh, is there anything else on this subject that um, that we need to talk about i feel like we may end up returning to it a little bit there are a lot of like individual women that i could talk about yeah more I think we want to like we definitely need to talk about vi but and we will yeah that's why i say we may come back to it the one and one the female... women is general in this book i think as much as women are degraded there's also a lot of women power in this book and that's i want to ask this is something i wanted to ask you because we've talked about this one of the reasons i felt strongly about trying to get a female voice on this podcast was because I, on my initial read through of this, I was like, there are some really strong female characters in here. And I went, hmm, maybe they aren't. And maybe it's just my perspective. And I don't understand what, like, I don't get if these would be strong female characters or not. And so I wanted to kind of address that. Like you talked, like some of the writing is degrading, but the, we talked a little bit about it with Mama Kay in the last one. Right. Yeah. Um, and whether she was a strong character. Like you look at the main female characters in this. Do you feel like any of them qualify as a strong female character, if not a role model? I know we talked about that a little bit, but in one of our previous episodes. But um, strangely, I think one of my favorite females in this book is the pirate captain, and I can't remember. Caldrosa Win. Win. Yeah. Yeah. Caldrosa Win. Like pulled that one out. Like she's one that she came. This was a survival thing for her. It wasn't just. Well, it wasn't just survival for her. It was. It was saving her husband. Her husband, as well. yeah. She wanted to make sure that because she's married. So remind so. us what what she's doing and why, just real quick. Tomas is her husband. What are you asking me? Or just give me give me a synopsis a little bit, just so we know who we're talking about and why. Caldrosa Wynn joins the whorehouse because so she comes in and she's. It's right after the coup and everything, and everything's falling apart in Scenaria. That they're. They're raping women and everything, so a lot of women are are flocking to the the whorehouses to try and save the men in their lives because husbands, brothers, anyone that stands up to these armies coming in to save their their uh, to, wife's to stand honor up from their something. women are getting killed. So women are leaving their families to to these whorehouses and and whoring so they can save their families. It's, By the way, it's a mark of uh, three people who read too many fantasy books that we can use the word whoring 
like with a straight face. <laughs> like normal people don't do this. This is, I think it's weird because this is, this was, whoring is a profession. Like yeah. when you read this, like you, it does kind of numb you to the word because it, you realize it's a profession the same way you would say carpenter. You know, they consider, <laughs> right. I'm, you're a whore. Yeah. yeah. We anyway. use it as a derogatory well, slang. And I know in one of the moments where Jarl is speaking to them, like, he uses constantly. I was like, "Are we? Can we find another word other than whore to use?" But he uses it just over and over and over again. And I think um, um, Logan might do the same thing. I don't remember. I didn't listen to his speech yeah. to them as recent, but but that's kind of so. She's gone to to the the whorehouse, and she's obviously that's, that's very, all. Yeah, I just wanted to very, remind us where um, where we're at. She's a Sethi pirate captain. Yeah, she's very exotic and everything, and so she's dealing with her life and everything but it's towards the end when her husband she find her husband finally comes to the house and finds and finds her right and all of the women are now a lot of them have found out that they've been left or they've gone back to their families if their families accept them if they found out if people have survived or not and whatnot so there's a lot of these women that have been left alone for whatever reason death or neglect or being left or whatever well, her husband finds her and immediately there's a, an embrace and they love each other and they're so happy until he finds out that she's been sleeping with nine, ten men a day and he leaves and she's heartbroken because she's done all of this in for him for him. Right. And or at least for his protection. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. It's a fine line. So I think one of the things that I I really got me thinking about her character is at the end after the big battle and everything and Logan has has raised these women above being just whores. They are I don't even From the order of the garter. Yeah, he's he's created something out of these women that have have sacrificed their bodies for the better of their family. And all of a sudden these people that have abandon these women are now coming back and her husband comes down and just falls on bended knee and she embraces him and forgives him and i'm like what the yeah i i so what you're saying is this scene bothered you it was one of those i it got me thinking as a person going okay i if i was in that situation and my husband walked out on me because of these reasons right would I be as willing to turn around and forgive him for forgiving me or right. whatever? Like, she's just such an interesting character. Like, I I enjoyed the snippets we've got of her. Uh-huh. Whether she's the the best example or whether she's the most important character to follow or anything, she's really not. But but it was an enjoyable. Uh, I loved bit the bits of hers because um, she's such a strong character to me that she was making the decisions for the right reasons. And trying to make the best of her situation. And showing immense strength at the end to, in the face of imminent death, that's the one thing, like, they all reconcile right before the battle. Yeah. Like, we're all going to die probably in 20 minutes. And then she but. goes off and she's one of the 30 or however many women that have take up arms to defend Logan. Logan to be his bodyguard. So the you're speaking about the end of... Uh, the ending with their relationship, how that she just forgives him mm-hmm. after he's uh, such a jerk. Um, it, you know what that reminded me of? Legendarium tangent time. You know, we need a little copyright 
on that. Like, we need to <laughs> trademark these tangents somehow. But anyway, it reminded me of the movie Sing. Have you guys seen this? It's a, it was a DreamWorks movie. The with cartoon? This, yeah, the singing pigs and all okay, this. Okay, yeah. The really, talent show one. I'm really curious to see how you're connecting. I, that okay. like, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> I, I enjoy that movie for a lot of reasons. You know, it's fun. The music is fun. And, uh, fun dancing and music. Yeah, but... <laughs> But there's always been something that bothers me because uh, the the pig characters, Reese Witherspoon plays, uh, she voices this um, this mother of 30, who's a pig <laughs> with this litter of all these piglets, right? And the husband, he's kind of like a regular, he's like a sitcom dad from the 80s and he just goes to work and then he comes home and he's so tired, he just goes to bed and I don't have time to help with the kids and I, neglect, my dinner and- I neglect my wife and yeah, give me my pie, woman, and all this stuff. Um, and then, so he neglects his wife and then it's after she gets up on stage and does this huge, big musical number and it's, and she's kind of sexy and it's so much fun and everybody's clapping and cheering for her. And then he realizes what he's been missing out on (laughs) and he rushes the stage and kisses his wife and it's this passionate moment and they kind of, and I'm like, what? Cause she got famous cause she's like on stage. Like you, this isn't. This isn't a love story. Yeah. This dude's a douche. Uh, you know, it took this for him to appreciate it. Like, you appreciate her every day. Oh, that kind yeah. of thing. So that's what it, that's why I say <laughs> it reminded me of the movie Sing. So in this case, it's like Logan gets up and makes this big stirring speech about the order of the garter and, and how wonderful all these women were. these are and, the women the that rest killed of the all of these men exactly. and everything. Like, they've made some some massive sacrifices. Right. So. And so And so he makes this big speech and everybody's like they kind of shift their focus as they're looking at these women and oh they're not just they're not just hookers they're hookers with hearts of gold and <laughs> daggers to plunge into the heart of the enemy and all that stuff and, and so it's only at that moment that the husband comes back yeah. he's like oh i'm so sorry and now that you have all of this honor from on high and now that everybody's looking at you with uh, you know with adoring eyes now i want you back too yeah. So that's and that it, it, it bothered me. me. I was like, really? And I don't know whether it would have been a stronger choice for her to turn her back on him and say, "That's nice. I'm glad that you finally realized what you had, but you don't have it anymore." Right. Like or whether she's the she takes the higher ground and forgives him for turning his back on her. Right. Like I don't know what the stronger it's, choice would have been. I, but. I think I would have I would have preferred the choice that she did make. After a little more, f you, dude. <laughs> like you know, a, a little more. Make him sweat a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, the, I don't know if it would have just stopped the book in its tracks for them to have a little conversation. But I'm like, you got to rake him over the coals a little bit. See, to me that that speaks to her strength, like to her as a strong character. To yeah. me, the fact that she makes that choice. Right from the like, basically from the get go, because yeah, most of us have that vindictive side that would want to do that back, but she doesn't. She she makes decisions, and that's why to me, I am who I am, Ryan. She she is she showcases the purest love in this. Well, I think that's what makes her a strong character. Doing even though she's a whore through most of it and runs around with shirtless and all sorts of stuff, like. I still respect her There's as a character. There's those boobs again. All the time. Yep. All um, her see-through outfits, her pirate outfits, so. <laughs> Come on. It's in a brothel. Like, <laughs> that I did. Yeah, that's that. That's kind of 
territory. Not, not it's a big like fan complaining of about the amount of red in a McDonald's. Like, <laughs> let's go to a different subject here. We've been talking about that for a little while. So Ryan, I mentioned in the last episode that uh, there were things that made me roll my eyes quite, quite a bit. Yes. And you guessed wrong off mic what the moment was, but yours was yours was also extremely eye roll inducing. Let's hear yours. I was going to say, I. so it was when Gareth Orsul is initially talking to Kylar about his heritage and everything. And then he turns around and he says, you know, you know why you have a, because I am your father. Just kidding. And I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's definitely Star Wars. And that definitely doesn't belong here. Um, and like I said, in the last episode, I'm okay with like personality and stuff like that. But this, this one feels like forced. Yeah. It broke. So to speak, (laughs) You you deserve to be slapped for that. <laughs> no, oh, sorry. Go on. I'll, I'll I'll say my piece in a sec. The thing is, like, I can justify it enough in my head because the character of Gareth Ursul cracks jokes like that. He's at the point in his like in his career. I don't know what the phrase <laughs> I was going for there. As a god king, where he's toying with everything around him. He's a god. He doesn't ha- care. He doesn't have to worry about anything. So the fact that he can toy with people like that, most of the time we see character, you know, villains, they're toying with people in a very vindictive and evil and mustache twirling <laughs> type way. Um, whereas Gareth Ursul, like, he'll lie and he'll just, but he's going to joke around about it a little bit. Like, you know, do you know you can ride a Ferrari? Like, I I can see that as a thing. If he would have just rephrased that, I'd be okay with the father reveal and the joke thing. If you just use the phrase that wasn't straight out of Star Wars, like <laughs> I saw it coming, I didn't see I didn't see the joke coming, mm-hmm. but I saw the line coming, and I'm like, no, 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 no. He totally and then it comes, and yeah. he just lays it out there, and I'm screaming at my car stereo, "How dare you! This was this is the worst possible decision." And then it. Like Harry and Lloyd, just when I think you couldn't possibly get any dumber, he goes and does something like this, and he cracks the jokes and makes it so much worse in this case. Okay, so what's what's the uh, the one that had your eye rolling so far back? No, no, no. I'm your... sorry. What I meant was like the I I'm your father line oh, was yeah. the was I thought as low as you could go. Yeah, and then he says, "Just kidding," and I'm like, "False." you can go lower. <laughs> and that was it. Um, I hated it. It didn't belong in that moment. I, I had, I enjoyed so much about the story and I was really invested at that point. And I'm like, finally, we're going to have our confrontation with the God King. And then that joke, it just, yeah. just ripped me right out of it. Do you know, there's one other line in cinema that does this to me that, that reminds me of this moment. Don't choke on your aspirations. <laughs> It's like, yes, everything around you is beautiful and gorgeous, and you just finger painted a giant, ah, terrible thing. I <laughs> a giant terrible thing, a terrible finger painting with no finger painting skills. <laughs> I had something, but I decided to be more the uh, higher level than to drag. Than what, up. Ryan? It's getting very late. Our vocabulary has fled, <laughs> and far, you finger far painted away. a dick. <laughs> And it wasn't even a Banksy. Uh, okay. So, um, yes, I, I didn't like that moment. Mine was a little bit different. Um, this was, and, and 
again, I really want to stress this because um, I don't want this to come off as our uh, our Assassin's Apprentice episode. You remember that first uh, yeah. Farseer episode where people thought, oh, they just crapped all over the book. Like, no, I, re- I legitimately enjoyed most of this book. And it's in part because of that, that when I got to a few moments at the very end, I was so angry. Uh, and I, I don't want to talk about it because, you know, you don't get angry if you're not invested in the book. You don't care, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but there is a moment when <sighs> Vi comes to a realization and this was, if you recall, if, if I wonder if you guys would remember this. This is like the bitter end of the book. Um, you remember when we were little kids and you'd read like an Aesop's fable or something like that. And you get to the end of the story and it says, and the moral of the story is, well, Brent Weeks gave us one <laughs> of those. Um, let's see. Uh, what was it with Aline? Kylar could have had, this is Vi's internal monologue. Kylar could have had any woman he wanted and he'd chosen a girl covered with scars. Vi had an awful flash of intuition. She saw Aline, a woman she'd never met, as her twin and opposite. Aline had scars an inch deep, but beneath that she was all beauty and grace and love. Vi was all ugliness except for the thin veil of her skin. Kylar's love was a mystery no more. And it's just, I just about jerked my wheel into an embankment. I was so angry at this. Because that's exactly what it is. It's like... Vi has never met Eileen. She doesn't know her. She right. she doesn't know anything about her. It's this is pure um like authorial voice saying, "Here's what you need to understand about Vi and Eileen, and here's why I wrote them this way. They are opposites." And he gives it to Eileen. I hated this moment. I hated everything about it. Even if <laughs> I, I shouldn't say I hate everything about it because I'm fine with the lesson being taught. You know, and and the idea of having opposite characters that, you know, play off of each other in that way, at least for the reader. But the moment you call attention to it and make it explicit, um, it ruins everything for me. Okay. Are you serious? (laughs) Neither of you noticed this? I I, I like that section. Yeah, I have a problem with it. (sighs) I I view it as like it's part of Vi's growth. And at that point, has, has she reigned Kylar at that point? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, if she's ringed, I, I think if it's at the bitter end, like, she's ringed Kylar. Um, um, no, I don't think she has quite okay. yet. It's, she's building yeah, up it's to that. Right, but right before it's that. Not, she's building up and convincing herself that she's a terrible person because she knows what she's going to do. Yeah, and it's not about, like, what she knows about Aline. It's about what she knows about Kylar and the way that he views, like, is she pieces together the way he views it. And that's not entirely true because we've spent about 15 minutes of this podcast <laughs> talking about how he stares at her in the moonlight. <laughs> but like, Stares at her what, Ryan? Nipples. Okay, cool. Just wanted to get back there. And just, I, I, I was okay. I, I get why I get your frustration with that. I can see that, but I don't. Apparently I did not. not. <laughs> neither yeah, I don't, don't share neither of you. <laughs> neither of you are acceptably uh, frustrated. I, I'm okay with that. I didn't, it, it, the timing worked. The, the execution was fine. It's just, I guess, there's, in in my estimation, and I get this could just be in my head, and I'm fine with that, but in my estimation, there's, the concept is a good one. This is a good thing to remind people who are reading books, and, you know, this is why we read books, is to remember things like this, um, you know, how to 
think about other people and see past the the surface level and all that stuff. That's fine. But when the lesson is brought straight to the surface, it just it takes it from uh, something that that could be more mature to something that's that's more YA. And look, I have nothing against YA. I really don't. It's just that this book was so heavy and so dark and so murdery and rapey and and making women into coffee tables e that I didn't feel like it was okay in my in my mind to to take it from a mature place and and bring it down to that kind of young adult place. Does it, does that make any sense? Yeah. We got you. We understand. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, you guys suck. Uh okay, let's move on. Maybe we should talk about some Reddit comments. What do you say? Uh, we want to, while you're looking at the Reddit comments, okay. just because we don't have to take a long time on this, because we've already hit this in various points, but Vi as a character is, she's one of my favorite characters in this story because she, I think, has one of the largest arcs from the beginning of the She actually grows and changes. Yeah, she becomes no something very different by really the end. No one really does. Um, but uh, at the very beginning of this, she makes a couple of points about the way that she thinks about the world that we can use as a as a reference point for her change because it's when she goes in to see the god king for the first time um she's been raised by hugh gibbet she's been dealing with rape and everything and just the terrible lifestyle for her entire existence and she goes into the god king and she uses her body to kind of uh convince the soldier like to trick the soldier into letting her eavesdrop a little bit she goes in and the the god king tells her to disrobe and she does and she's totally fine being naked because the, her nakedness is her armor is the way she describes yeah. it. But she's very, very protective of her hair. Like that's her. Because that's the only part of her that's like really hers. She right? feels like that's Something hers. Like that. like she has wigs. She has other things like. And to me, this is such a, a unique concept to me. Like I'm not saying it's a unique concept in literature or anything, but the fact that her that she views her body as armor and kind of disassociates herself from her own body, but that her hair is her identity, like her, her piece of that. It, it caught me off guard as like, I don't really, I've never, I can't say I've never met anybody who, who thinks like that. Um, but it's not the way I would expect it. I don't know. Was that weird to anybody else? Was that something that stood out to anybody? Or is that just me being like, wow, that's a weird, yeah, I'm going to leave that one to Stephanie. <laughs> so I have to admit, I'm not that type of person when it comes to my hair. I don't like right now I have blue and purple and gray hair. Like it's friggin' I, dope. I don't, I do a lot of stuff with my hair. It doesn't define who I am to me, but I know of people that it does. And I think it has a lot to do with society and the way that society views people. When we think of ourselves as women, long hair is usually more appealing especially to men on a woman they like the long hair the long flowing hair they like running their fingers through their hair and everything so women start seeing that as a tool as way to keep control of themselves and there's a lot of people that i remember talking to a friend that had this just gorgeous long hair and chopped it off into a pixie cut because someone said that she wouldn't be attractive with this pixie cut and like and and she had to prove to herself that she was not her hair. And I know of someone else that they went through a lot of crap in their life with this long hair. And now they have to keep their hair short so it doesn't remind them of that time period in their life. Right. And it's so it's not unusual to me. So I didn't see it as weird because 
I know people like that, that keep it as a control thing. It's the way that it's one thing that I know I have control over. I can do whatever I want to my hair. I can cut it short. I can let it long. I can dye it whatever colors I want. And so I think it's a control thing, especially for Vi, where she has so little control over her life. And the fact that she's she, literally under compulsion. <laughs> yes. And the fact that she has this striking red hair that is so unusual that she talks about that she even feels better when it's tied back into a tight ponytail to the point when it's giving her a headache. And so it's not strange by any means. And I think if there are women that are listening, they can go, oh, yeah, I either have had feelings like that where I can look at my hair and say, oh, yeah, I can relate this moment or this moment to things that I've done with my hair or whatever or the way people have made me feel about how my hair looks. So it's not as strange as it might seem. No, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I think going forward, the way, just this aspect of what, the way that Vi views her body and her hair and everything here is when we get through into book three and talk a little bit, I think we can revisit this a little bit to see how she changes. Because like I said, she's very disassociated from her own body right now. Um, And... I think it, it's interesting, and I know she talks about it a little bit when she's with Sister Ariel. Um, Who we really need to talk about. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I, it's something we'll come back to. Ariel Sedai. <laughs> I have this odd, not real, call it fan fiction, whatever thing, that this is a side story going on. For Varen. Varen, say Varen. Not for Varen. Oh, okay. But that's... <laughs> I like this. Literally, could be a story that's going on in the Wheel of Time in a different, a different part of the different world. part of the world until yeah. later. Until we hit book three, then I'm kind of like, nah, it doesn't really fit anymore. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, again, we'll come back maybe to that. So let's do some Reddit comments. Um, there is one of my least favorite comments ever. I have to say it. I have to say it because at the end of it, it says, "If you guys mention my comment, username can be pronounced Mitkeebs." I didn't want to know that. I was having too much fun screwing with your name. <laughs> you know, you don't have to pronounce it right, even though they tell you that. That's true. <laughs> All right. All right. Mike Keebies. Um, I'm kidding. This is a great comment. Uh, let's see. The relationship between Kylar and Aline can be kind of rough to read. While most of the book appeals to a wide range of readers, I feel like this relationship and its interactions are targeted at the younger end of the target audience. I think we kind of talked about yeah. this a little bit already. Yeah, their their relationship, they are young. It feels young. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but he also says, I assume he, but only because uh, patriarchy, et cetera, et cetera. I find Brent's inclusion of the one true God interesting, especially since he is shown to uh, actually have power and influence events. Having a mix of fantasy gods who don't seem to do anything and having this separate one god who is very similar to Christianity's god and has real power, it makes me curious if Brent Weeks is a Christian inserting his own religion into his work or something like that. Uh, An interesting addition to a book series that features heavy themes of murder, sex, and magic. Um, I, when I read this comment, I thought I'd missed something. I was like, wait a minute. Did, Did the one god come descend and like... You know, uh, set Saul on his path, you know, to, to Tarsus or whatever. Um, I missed it. And so, but then you guys told me, no, you didn't miss anything. It was just kind of one of those, like, for, you know, he there who has are, eyes to see, let him see. Yeah. There are different instances where something happens that it kind of looks like the, the one God has taken a hand in something. 
and that will continue. Um, religion hasn't been a major player in this story. Like, I, I, I'm a it's, little wrong in saying that, but it's mentioned as a part of the different cultures, but he never dives into it. Yeah, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, people are currently on survival. They're not really worried about identifying their god. Well, at there's the only like two or three characters that religion plays any part in their choices, and they're more of the the people that we would consider to be the righteous yeah like uh, like aline like you know the aline um the reason why they're they're Frank. not actually sleeping together is because they're not married right yeah uh the duke whatever that one duke um, who kind of takes in count kyler drake. Count, count, drake. Drake. count drake count drake thank you count um, count but there are three religions in this story and we've we've seen all three of them already the kind of generic largest one is the hundred gods that everyone has like um because uh what's Nisos, like vice, uh, by like Nisos, the god of blood and water and semen and everything else there. And then you have, uh, I can't remember what the other ones. So there's the hundred gods and then there's the one god. So Brent Weeks kind of said, okay, well, we're going to have all the gods or we're going to have the one god. And then we have Kali, which is who the Kaladorans follow. Um, little on the nose. Holy crap. I just made that connection. Congratulations. <laughs> all right. The Kaladorans follow Kali. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm, there will be Kali Ma. Things I, I I was making the joke the entire time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for sure. So in terms of the religion here, like I I don't feel like it's played a major factor. The one God, like actually directing things a little bit. Yeah, there there's enough evidence there that you can make the argument for it. But I don't think there has been anything that has definitively been like. And the finger of God came down and right, wrote right, upon. Right. It's it really is. I, I mean, I made the joke earlier, but it's uh, he who has eyes to see, let him see. And mm-hmm. so the idea of Kylar's selling his sword for the exact amount needed to buy the the wedding the earrings, earrings um, or when the couple is praying for their family, and then Kylar shows up and defends their house from the the hoodlums. Um, so yeah, there's little things like that. So uh, let's go to refrigerator. Um, who has a long comment at the end of which he says, in a general sense, this is what I was expecting and hoping for when I first came across the Assassin's Apprentice. Um, I got something totally different and I'm loving that trilogy. Now that I have an actual trilogy about Assassins, this one isn't connecting with me yet. 100% get that for sure. This is nothing like Assassin's Apprentice. Nothing. You're on a... Part of, there's a lot of different reasons for that. <laughs> sure, um, we started a very different spectrum of the 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 map. Like you're dealing with royalty and a court. You're right. dealing with the Sakage and the gutters. Right. So yeah, it's uh, and this is why it, I I was really harsh on that particular book, Assassin's Apprentice. I was I I hope I was a little easier on the other two as I came to get used to the series. But looking back in retrospect, I was probably too harsh on the book. And um, and and I can understand why people enjoy that one, and and I'm totally cool in the case of both of these to just say like, you know, somebody's taste is gonna run more toward one than the other because mm-hmm. they are so completely different. Yeah. Um, but I will say at least we have an assassin doing assassiny things in this book. <laughs> that is one thing I missed from that book, uh, from the Robin Hobb one. Anyway. Uh, okay, so let's see. Jagged three, jagged three, jagged, jagged three. 
How did you guys like the Ferrari? Oh yeah, we kind of talked about the Ferrari. I've always I've always thought they were that perfect mix of gruesome and cool to be a Dungeons and Dragons monster. Absolutely agreed. It's a great monster. I don't think there's much more to say about it. Unless you got anything okay, else. Okay then. <laughs> All right. No, it it's terrifying. It grows and and with everything it takes in and it but and Brent Weeks built a a way out with it because it eats itself. Oh, wait, I should have read this comment before that one. Sorry about this. Low significance. Your high significance to us. Uh, an assassin's apprentice in battle against a usurper-type villain threatening a kingdom. I can't help being reminded of the Realm of the Elderlings novels you guys read a while ago. How does Kylar compare to Robin Hobbs' fits, in your opinion? Are these the books you wish the Farseer trilogy had been? Yeah, is there anything else we want to say about that comparison? You want to compare Kylar to Fitz? Um, <laughs> Don't. No. The approaches are very different um, with the two characters. I like Kylar better than I like Fitz, not because Fitz is a terrible character or whatever, but because Kylar takes action and does things. Fitz was acted upon for two out of the three books for the most part. Right. And then when he did start acting, you hated every single moment of it. Oh, it was questionable. But <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's see if there's any other. Uh, do you guys have any anything else you want to talk about before we start the process of wrapping this up? I don't really want to get into like predictions or whatever, but. Like, Why not? Let's do it. Okay. I mean, not for you. <laughs> Ryan, how do you see book three going? <laughs> uh, not well. Um, no, I'm, I'm curious based on the, like, where, from where we've gone, where we've been to where we are now, where you see this going. Right. Well, yeah. yeah I, I have was, no idea. I was kind of mentioning it to you earlier where I, I felt like the end of book two really did feel like an ending. And I, book one kind of felt maybe a little bit less so that way. But you did have at the end of book one, it's like, and then there's there's all the internal scenarian uh politics and machinations mm-hmm. um and then kylar gets the kakari and kills durzo yeah you know uh, so to speak <laughs> um and then so that's like the end of book one and it's it's all very internal scenarian stuff and then the caladorans invade and now they've invaded and now it's like okay we got to kill the god king and so book two is like all right, so we're expanding our scope, and now the bad guy's a bigger bad guy. It's it, it was Roth, and now it's Roth's dad, yeah, uh, the God King, and so that's our big villain. And so it it it, I'm happy to be proven wrong here, but it feels really obvious that next we go to Kali as like the big baddie. Um, well, they allude to that. They tell you the fact that she's moved into the maw. Like, right? She's she is there, there at the castle, right? And then they ignore the fact that she's there. It's like no one actually, no one like Kylar and they don't know she's there. So well, no, they do. They're she, not really worried does, about her. He does, and he intentionally, he, like, he cleanses the castle. He kills all the Caladorans <laughs> in the castle, um, and then he leaves Kali. And I'm sitting there going, "Why did he do that?" And there's this little voice on my shoulder going, because he needed to for the plot of book three. Because <laughs> there's another book, book coming. Book three, book three needed him to leave that. Uh, and anyway. Because, yeah, so. I feel like they tell you that she's there and then they ignore her. Right. And I was like, this is, this, she's kind of a big deal. Maybe you should be more worried about her moving into the castle than this God King that you're dealing with. <laughs> you just with. killed like, the God King. You just cleaned the castle. Do you really want to go for the goddess <laughs> next? Like, give yourself a little bit of time to breathe. Go get a burger or something. But it I'm seems like, like everyone's celebrating and everything. Some, like, Mama K's got some stuff for you to enjoy. Well, he says, you know, and he's like, let the let Logan send some of the 
some witches down to, right, right. to take care of it. And that's where I think book three is partially going to go. I don't, it, so it could be a situation where they like, that's the beginning of the book is the cleansing of the maw. Um, and then they go on toward the bigger conflict. I don't know. Or it could be that, no, she is the, the big baddie for book three, but either way, we are going to get a lot more of the the sisterhood of the traveling skirts. What's their name? <laughs> the Aes Sedai, basically. The Aes Sedai. Um, again, Sister Ariel. So, yeah. So again, I'm not going to ruin the Wheel of Time. Don't worry. I'm not going to spoil anything. Uh, just to say that... Um, but we know that's where Aline and Uli are headed. They're, they're headed to the convent they're going or to the whatever. White, they're going to the White Tower. Um, <laughs> it's, have you read the Wheel of Time? No. Any of it? Okay. Yeah. It's... That the Aes Sedai from the Wheel of Time are this. Ex- exactly. And I mean to a T. It's going to spoil a little bit of book three, but they literally live in a giant white tower that's shaped <laughs> like an angel, basically. It's <laughs> called the White Seraph. Okay, there you go. That's um, So we're heading back to the Vagina Island School of Witchcraft and definitely not wizardry. Um, and if you've ever seen a map of the Wheel of Time, yeah. Stephanie's looking at us like, why did you, why is that? The Remember Aes how Sedai- we talked about women and the degrading terms that are being used? <laughs> look, I'm just, I'm calling it like it is. If you look at it, I'm serious. The Aes Sedai live in a clitoris. Um, so... What? Oh yeah, that's where we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot. I don't remember where this conversation was going. <laughs> we started with boobs. We're ending here. It's... So we're gonna we're gonna earn our e on iTunes. Thank you very much. Um, so that's where we're gonna go. We're gonna learn a lot more about them and their like male counterparts and all that magic stuff. So I think magic has been almost secondary it's like ancillary to the story up to this point and then book three is going to be super duper magic-y mm-hmm. so calling it there all right agree disagree i i yeah i guess i have really no idea there's so many don't know don't care how there's that? so many characters like i'm excited to read the third book um i want to as much as this series has been hard to read i still enjoyed reading it sure i've yeah. enjoyed the characters there's people you do, do you want to read book three? Yeah, I'm 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 excited to read book three. Yeah. So that's probably going to be what I do tomorrow is start that. So it's not that I don't want that I've not liked it and I I've been disappointed or anything. So I don't really have a whole lot of expectations though. Sure. Like there's so many characters trying to figure out, okay, well, where are they playing and how are they getting back? Where are they all coming back to? Like I can see a civil war kind of happening because Tara Grayson is still around uh, right. somewhere and she still has her little band of people that are loyal to her, but Logan's just won this massive war, like their battle, like so I can kind of see maybe a little tiff between them because she's technically the queen because Logan has, has given his to her, loyalty yeah. to her. So there's gonna be that I think there can be something along that line, but So last prediction for book three is uh, we're going to get a whole lot more Kakari in our lives. And this is going to be a, uh, it's it's Venom, basically, right? <laughs> uh, we, didn't, we didn't have a movie in 2008 when this was written, but the comics were out and this is straight up Venom. If Venom was like a conscience that won't push you to do good things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, anyway. Um, so that's, that's my other thing is, uh, basically they're going to have like a buddy cop comedy with, 
uh, Kylar and the Kakari. Kylar and the Kakari would make a great <laughs> title for a buddy cop movie. <laughs> Kylar and the Kakari. Um, at least it would have in the 70s. So Well, and they have given a few little tidbits that I'm interested to find out. Like the note Durzo leaves mm, Kylar yeah. at the end. And he says, whatever you do, don't make a deal with, with the, the, wolf. the wolf. And he just made a deal with the wolf. So you find out, okay, what what's going to be happening with this wolf character that is obviously important somehow, but you don't really know anything about him. He needs right. to get his hand back. What, it, or, yeah, and that, but that's the question is like, is the hand worth it? <laughs> is he going to find out that the deal is like... Yeah, just get just get me that sword so that I can murder everybody on the planet. Whatever ridiculousness Which, is happening in the forest that kills everyone that goes in it for all of these artifacts right. that are in there. That uh, <laughs> so many loose ends. I remember I laughed, then was frustrated with it, and then laughed again at Kylar talking to the wolf to get him to send him back. He's like, "Why did you pull the Kakari out of your hand? Like, <laughs> you could have just walked through the Ferali, and the Kakari would have killed it. Like, and now you don't have a hand back." I was like, "Oh, yeah." Yeah, it makes it. No, that's lame. No, well, yeah, okay. Ha ha ha. It's uh, well, it's better than I am your father. Yes. Uh, all right, let's call it there. Book three is coming up sometime later. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, we will then. We'll see you then uh, again if you're in the Atlanta area on April 26th through the 28th. Meet us at JordanCon. We'd love to chat with you. Shake your hand. Uh, go to Patreon.com/slash Legendarium to support the show. Uh, go to thelegendarium.reddit.com to join the conversation and be sure to visit our website, thelegendariumpodcast.com and click on the subscribe tab and fill in your email address there for our weekly newsletter so you can keep up with the episodes that are coming up. I think that's about it. See you guys for book three. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. Have a good one.